Ashley Brock reading Dolores Fawson's book, Cad, Chapter 9. Bree almost wished the latest adrenaline crash would numb her to the fear and desperation that she was feeling, not for herself, but for Leah. The situation wasn't getting better, and judging from Cad's stark expression, he felt the same way. He sat across from her, his elbows on his knees, and his face in his hands. I'm sorry, he repeated to her. You had no choice but to kill him. Bree knew that was true, because she'd watched the nightmarish ordeal play out in front of her on a laptop screen. First, she'd been terrified that Cad, his brother, or one of the others would be killed. Then her terror had skyrocketed when the shooter took aim at the house. For a couple of horrifying moments, Bree had thought he might shoot, that a bullet could tear through the walls and reach Leah, but Cad had made sure that didn't happen. The gunman hadn't even had time to pull the trigger again before Cad shot him and killed him. She watched that, too, while she held her baby close and prayed that nothing else bad would happen. Leah was okay, thank God, but the shooter hadn't been able to say, say anything before Cad got to him. No dying confession to clear his conscience, and that meant they were right back at square one. Well, almost. Cad's brother Grayson had arrived just minutes after the fatal shooting and immediately taken over the necessary mop-up of an inedible investigation. Grayson was pacing there, sweet, while talking on the phone, and from what Bree could glean from the conversation, he was in with minutes of turning over the investigation to one of his deputies, so he could leave for San Antonio. With Leah, of course. That was good. Bree kept reminding herself, however, in this case, good felt like something beyond bad. We're doing the right thing, sending Leah with Grayson, she whispered. She tried to make it sound like a question, but it did. She didn't try to make it sound like a question, but it did. Anyway, she prayed she wasn't sending her baby from the frying pan into the fire. Caddy's down his hand. hands, looked at her, then looked at Leah, who was in Bree's lap. Yeah. He no doubt knew everything Bree was feeling, because he was feeling it too, he paused. I also need to make arrangements for you. Bree shook her head. Once Lee is away from the danger, what I'd really like is a showdown with whoever's responsible for this. That sent another jolt of anger through her. She wanted to find this person fast and be the one to put them in jail, or do what Cad had just done, end it with a bullet. You're up for that? Cad questioned. Probably not. Her hands were still shaky, and she felt years removed from the FBI training. Right now, she felt like a mother with a child who'd just been placed in harm's way, and that was a far stronger motivation than she ever had to, to bring down a criminal. Bree touched her daughter's cheek, and even though Leah's eyes were closed, she gave Bree one of those baby smiles. The feeling of warmth replaced the anger, not the determination for Bree to keep her alive. However, Leah wasn't the only person for her to be concerned about. Are you okay? She asked Cat. And before you give me a blanket, I'm fine. Answer. I'd like the truth. Cat stayed quiet a moment. Ever killed a man in the line of duty? Once. In a cut and dry case of defending herself, just as Cat had done. It doesn't get easier. Cat mumbled. Bree rubbed his arm and hoped that would help. But how could it? He'd done what he had to do, but he also had to come to terms with taking a life. Yet something else they hadn't come in, as if they needed more. Sometimes, like now, Bree felt that Cad and she were speeding headfirst, no helmets, into a brick wall. One of them, or both, would get hurt, but there didn't seem to be anything that would stop it. She didn't know whether to fight it or just save her energy and surrender. Grayson ended as calm when he didn't make another one. Both Cad and Bree looked at him. 
that shooter's name is Tim Kirk, Grayson explained. He worked as a security guard at the Fulbright Clinic during your undercover investigation. Maybe that's why he seemed familiar to me. Kurt's connected to one of our suspects? And she didn't include Coop in that list, despite what Anthony had told him during his visit to the ranch. He is, and he's also connected to the man who tried to kill you at the motel. Mason checked Kurt's cell on yesterday morning. He called the prepaid phone of the sugar man who turned up dead. Grayson paused. However, the last person he called was Anthony. Anthony, who accused Coop of wrongdoing, of course. That accusation hadn't gotten Anthony's name off their suspect list. Now he's at the top of it. SAPD is sending someone over to Tim Kirk's apartment to check it out now. There might be more evidence linking him to Anthony or one of the others. Grayson added, maybe Cube, judging from Grayson's tone. Well, good. Re wanted them to look, but she was sure they wouldn't find anything. Waller at Kirk's place. I hope they'll search for those surveillance backups that went missing from the Fulbright Clinic catamaran. They will. Grayson chuckled. But unless Kurt was planning to use them to pin the blame on someone else, those backups might have been destroyed. Yes, Rhea considered that. She had also considered that if that had happened, they might never have enough evidence to convict any of their suspects to long jail sentences. Heck, it was possible that even with a conviction, Anthony and Jamie would get as less as probation. Can she needed more evidence? Grayson looked at Bree. Any luck remembering where you were held during your pregnancy? Because there might still be some evidence there we can use. Bree pushed her hair from her face and forced herself to think. It was a house in the country, but she already told him. High brick fence with guard dogs, Dobermans, she shook her head. I remember the rooms clearly now, but I can't tell you what was past that fence. If that disappointed Grayson, he didn't show. When one of the kidnappers helped you escape, do you have any idea how long it took you to get from the fenced house to the motel? Those images weren't so clear. In fact, they were non-existent. I don't have a clue about the time frame, but I do know we didn't go directly from the house to the treetop motel. Went to another hotel first, and Austin, I think, she gave me a heavy dose of drugs before we left. Bree stopped a moment. But she was in a hurry. The man wasn't there, and she said we had to get out before he came back because he was going to kill me. Since Cat's legs was touching her, she felt him tense. Why did he want to kill you, Cat? Leo was gone by then. Why did he or his boss feel you were no longer of any use to them? Again, Bree forced herself to think. Maybe I saw something, or maybe something changed in his situation. His boss might have found a different kind of leverage to tamper with the investigation. But what? Bree didn't blank on all. Bree drew a blank on all accounts. It sounds as if you were around the female kidnapper a lot, Grayson commented. Any chance it was Jamie Grier? A good chance, Bree The height and bodybuilder were a match? Still she had to shake her head. But she certainly didn't dress like Jamie. And the prosthetic mask was very good. I couldn't see any of her features behind it, she shrugged. Of course, the drugs probably helped with that. Hard to see a person's features when they're swimming in and out of focus. Keep trying to remember, Grayson insisted after a nod. He checked the time and blew out of where he brought. McClendon and Anthony and Jamie are all on their way to my office. Or there. Or they sure as heck better be. If not, I'll warn them they'll all be arrested. Good. Maybe they would defy that order and that would give them, get them tossed in jail. A tempor temporary stay was better than nothing. I need you to help Mason question them, Grayson added his tension cat. Are you up to it? 
Absolutely. Cat got to see. Arizona accused Bree's boss of being a dirty agent. Said he had a witness. Maybe he'll bring that witness with him. Bree adjusted the baby to the crook of her arms. I'd like to get in on this. The brothers exchanged glances. We're no doubt thinking she wasn't mentally or physically ready for this. She wasn't, but that wouldn't stop her. When I hear what they have to say, it might help me remember where I was held captive. Grayson finally nodded. Tape the interviews and follow the rules. If one of them is guilty, I don't want them slipping through the cracks on a technicality. Bree was on the same page with that. Someone would pay for what had happened. Hopefully it wouldn't be Cad, her, or Leah. It's time, Grayson said, and with those two little words, Bree knew exactly what he meant. Cad did as well, because he leaned over and kissed Leah's cheek. This won't be for long, he promised the baby in a whisper. Bree kissed her as well, but she didn't trust her voice to speak. Oh, mercy. This was much harder than she imagined it would be, something she hadn't thought possible. Three of the ranch hands are making the drive with us. Grayson let them know. He picked up the diaper bag, looped it over his shoulder, then walked closer, waiting for Bree to hand Leah over. Bree gave her baby one last kiss. Cad did the same, and she eased Leah into Grayson's waiting arms. I'll take good care of her, Grayson promised, and just like that, he hurried out of the room. Bree's heart went with him, tears stung her eyes, and she blinked them back when Cad slipped his arm around. Everything will be okay, he said, his voice clogged with emotion. He cleared us up, and the sooner we question our suspects, the sooner we can maybe end this. So that Leah could come home, well, come to the ranch anyway. It was her home, of course, but Bree knew that might change when Cad and she worked out some kind of custody arrangement. Let's go to the sheriff's office. He insisted, and with his arm still around her, he led her to the door where Grayson had just exited. Cad stopped. He looked down at her and opened his mouth, closed it, then shook his head. Later, he mumbled. Bree nearly pressed him for an answer, but she wasn't sure she wanted to open any can of worms with Cad right now, one thing at a time, and the first thing was to get through this interroga these interrogations. By the time they made it outside the cat's truck, Grayson had already driven away. To safety, Bree reminded herself again, if Cad and she could do their jobs and make an arrest, their time apart from Leah would be minimized. That was all the motivation she needed to end this quickly. What if Anthony produces a witness who says that Coop is dirty? Cad asked her. He started his truck and headed for town. Then I'll assume Anthony paid off the person to lie. Bree figured this wasn't the answer Cad wanted to hear. She stared at him. Why are you so willing to believe Coop, Coop worked for McClendon? And he stayed quiet a moment, mumbled something. She didn't catch it. For the worst of reasons. Another boss. I think I'm hyper jealous of him. What? Bree couldn't get that out fast enough. This is hard for me to admit. But Coop's he, Coop seems possessive of you. In a boss-to-employee sort of way, she clarified. There has never been anything personal between Coop and me. You sure he knows that? Again, she jumped to answer, but then stopped. And Bree remembered something that happened over a year ago. Coop kissed me. He did what? Cat Polly glances between the road and her. He had too much to drink, and he apologized. Cat made a yell right so. Hey, you kissed me and you apologized, Pre reminded him. The apology was a lie. I'm attracted to you, and so is Coop. He cursed. But attraction probably means he wouldn't betray you. <laughs> Pre felt relief for a moment. However, the uneasy feeling came. I pushed him away that night, Shrikot. I told him I didn't feel that way about him. 
Mr. Whitaker had to say something about a scorned man seeking revenge, but he only shrugged. If you hadn't been kidnapped, you probably would have tried again. I would have. Cat added in a mumble. Reese stared at it. Yes, he would have. If you haven't, if you hadn't, I would have. She confessed. And you think that pleases me? Think again! Despite the seriousness of the conversation, the corner of his mouth lifted. She got a hint in that killer smile one. Killer smile one. I just don't want you to think that the attraction I feel for you has anything to do with Leah. She'd been on the verge of smiling herself, but that stopped it. Bree shook her head. I'm not trying to work out custody issues with you in bed. He clarified. Oh. Well, first there was a jolt of anger. That maybe Cad would think that's what she was trying to do. But she kept staring at him and didn't see any sign of it. The only sign she saw was the confirmation that what she felt for him had zilch to do with Leah or with the danger. It had to do with the fact that he was, well, hot. She groaned and leaned right against the window. Sex should be the last thing on my mind right now. Yeah, Cat agreed. That didn't make it true. Both of them knew that. <laughs> I'm thinking when you're 100%, we just get it over. He continued. I mean, we worked ourselves up on that assignment. Now the close contact is steaming things up again. If we could... Just find the time to jump into bed that my cool is down. Her smile came in. Is that some kind of invitation to your bed? Oh, yes. Head first into that brick wall. He took her hand, lifted it, and brought it to his mouth to kiss it. I already have you in my bed, but you're not in any shape or sex. Her mind agreed. Her body didn't. And Bree was about to blurt that out when Cat's phone buzzed. He answered it, but said little so she couldn't tell if the caller was Grayson. Soon she'd want to contact Cat's brother and make sure the trip to San Antonio had gone smoothly. Bree prayed it had. Let me know if you find anything. Cad said to the caller and hung up. That was Nate, my brother at SAPD. It's not about Leah. He added quickly. Good thing, too. Her mind wasn't going in a good direction on this. Nate sent one of his detectives to Tim Kirk's apartment, but it's been ransacked. His wall safe had been opened, and it was empty. Definitely not good. Any potential evidence had probably been destroyed or contaminated. Still, Bree had a gut feeling that Kirk was the person who kidnapped her. Proving it, though, would be a bear. But then, as Cad was pulling into the parking lot of the sheriff's office, she saw someone who could maybe clear all of this up. Anthony. He was headed inside the front door of the building for the interview, no doubt, and he clearly wasn't happy about being there, and he was alone. No witness. However, that wasn't the only thing Bree wanted to question Anthony about. It was that phone call that Kurt had made to him. Cat and she got out of the truck and both checked their surroundings. Old habits. Plus, the events of the morning still had her on edge. Bree wished that she'd at least brought a firearm with her, just in case someone had already hired another hitman. But she'd given Cad back the little coat that he carried in his ankle holster. They stepped inside the back entrance, but the sound of the voice stopped them. A voice that Bree recognized, Hector McClendenin, and whoever he was talking to it wasn't a friendly conversation. McClendenin was speaking in whispers, but the anger in his tone came through loud and clear. Cad pointed to the last room on the right and put his finger to his mouth in a stay-quiet gesture. Bree did, and she listened. I don't know what game you're trying to play. McClendenin's not, but I'm warning you to keep your mouth shut. You don't. Bree Winston isn't the only person. He'll be on the business end of a rifle. <laughs> end of chapter 9.